I'm Alex Mosed, and welcome to Winner Take All, where we talk about the constant battle between large tech monopolies and traditional incumbents. And today, these platforms are just doing their thing. Uh, not to mention the specific platform companies we're going to go over uh, today on the show from TikTok to Twitch, Instacart, Amazon, but also just Platt, the platform ETF is on fire. Um, I mean, the stock market in general has had a very nice rally. Uh, I think maybe the S and P 500 or NASDAQ, one of them is, one of them is, is kind of back even for, for the year 2020. Uh, however, Platt for the year, almost 14%. If you had a thousand dollars that you put in it January 1st, 2020, it would now be $1,138. Uh, it is pretty, I mean, it's insane, actually. To me, it's up almost 27% since inception, which was now a little over a year ago. We just passed the one-year uh, milestone. We had Kara on from Wisdom Tree, May 22nd, I think it came out, in 2019. Uh, so all things considered, this thing is uh, impenetrable. Just how do you beat these platform stocks? That's kind of the whole theme of today's show. Looking at TikTok, the largest private company in the world. We've covered TikTok many times on the show. My TikTok is doing quite well. We're about to we're about to pass ten thousand subscribers on TikTok. It's just it's my name, Alex Mozed. Plug uh, on TikTok, and you know, actually, a lot of people have probably the critique of TikTok is oh, it's just kind of these like tweens. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like this, uh, you know, black sheep app. It's very wrong. I mean, they have so many range of demographic uh, that are using this. And I'm going to go over some of the numbers here, which just show the level of impact TikTok has had. They've now taken the uh, Disney executive that, that was passed on the role of Disney CEO. He's now coming in as the CEO of TikTok, Kevin Mayer. Um, and COO of ByteDance. So TikTok is owned by ByteDance, which is a Chinese company. TikTok is was actually something that um, ByteDance acquired this thing called Musically a few years ago. Musically was then rebranded into TikTok. So basically, you know, you can kind of think about TikTok as its own content format, right? So um, on the last show, I was talking about how these content platforms they monopolize a content format. Twitter has its, you know, it had its 140 characters. Now it's, I think, 280, that content format. Facebook and Instagram, you know, Instagram has these photos and now kind of videos format. YouTube videos format. The TikTok content format is you have a piece of audio, namely a piece of music, hence the name Musical.ly. And then you basically create a video against that audio. You you as the creator, you're not actually using your own voice in the TikTok video, right? You're actually just taking a, a song and then dancing to it. That's kind of one of the classic content formats on TikTok. So each one of these are essentially a new genre of product. Think of it as its own form of inventory. Every piece of produced value that these creators are creating. Similarly, Twitch, which we're going to talk about in a second, live streaming, its own form of uh, content product that creators are creating. And 
and creators are better at creating certain types of content, right? Just based upon a whole slew of skills, personality, editing skills. There's a lot of editing that goes into a TikTok video, right? So, you know, if you look at a lot of the prep work that goes into, say, your average Instagram post, which is usually has been a static photo. So there's so much work that all the creators on Instagram go into to get, you know, the exactly right shot with the right lighting and all of and then and then they'll do post photo kind of editing apps to clean up any blemishes, right? On TikTok, it's a lot of editing of the video. So you see a lot of transitions. You'll have oh, different uh, visual effects, green screen effects. You can speed up the video to the beat of the song, right? There's all these kind of video editing skills that go into making a good TikTok video. All of that is to say each one of these platforms comes to dominate, comes to become a monopoly of a certain form of produced piece of content, a content format. So, and this is, this is TikTok's uh, monopoly in this area. Uh, how can we see their monopoly? Oh, well, let's look at some of their numbers. So in 2018, they had $7.4 billion in revenue. Okay. What did they do in 2019? Well, we have those numbers. Now they generated $17 billion in revenue. I mean, that is bonkers, like 150% gain year over year revenue growth. And they made over $3 billion in profit. $3 billion in profit. One caveat is this is the ByteDance. So this is, you know, uh, ByteDance owns multiple kind of platforms like this, TikTok in the US. They have this Chinese twin Douyin and a news service called, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. Um, point is they have multiple businesses, but ByteDance collectively is growing extremely aggressively. TikTok certainly, you know, could actually be ahead of these numbers, the ByteDance overall numbers, since um, some of these platforms, the the Chinese ones, could actually be more mature than, you know, where Musical.ly was if, if you put them side by side. Analysts are saying ByteDance could fetch a valuation of between $150 billion to $180 billion uh, in an IPO based upon these revenue numbers and just these staggering uh, profit numbers that, that they're generating here. So um, TikTok's on fire. And, it, you know, you could say it's kind of competitive with, say, an Instagram this article talks a lot about it versus YouTube, which I think is a less apt comparison. I think Instagram is a much more closer uh, comparison if you think about those competing content formats, right? Um, so that said, you know, and this is what Facebook points to a lot is, oh, well, look, we have competition. It's called TikTok, right? To the regulators that, that are trying even more so, as we've been discussing, trying to regulate Facebook. So we're going to come back to, you know, what, what are TikTok's vulnerabilities in a second? Now, the next example of this, though, is uh, this news here, which is the music label. So we talk a lot about Spotify, you know, Spotify trying to aggressively get their podcasting business going. So, you know, you want to find fragmented supply. If you're a platform, doesn't matter if you're a content platform, any kind of platform, you want fragmented supply. Because that means as you aggregate demand, you have leverage over supply and you can squeeze good economics out of that situation if you are the platform. Spotify's example, the music supply is actually extremely consolidated. There's four record labels that control 
pretty much all of the music rights and and back catalog in the United States. They have a centralized uh, industry association. That organization negotiates on behalf of the four agencies and effectively on behalf of all the musicians with Spotify and kills Spotify's margins. That's why Spotify has been aggressively trying to, you know, do things like sign Joe Rogan and blow out their podcast business because there are no equivalent record labels of the podcasting industry, but it is a huge fragmented, it is a huge uh, type of content, content format that they're trying to build a bigger and bigger, bigger business around. Twitch is now running into the same problems with uh, that the, the music record labels because Twitch streamers receive a flood of music copyright claims for old clips. So, you know, you're having a live stream, you're playing video games, you're playing music in the background. These record labels have technology that will scrape through all the, the live stream videos, listen to the audio and say, up, oh, I own this audio. Hmm. I'm not getting any ad revenue from this video. And now I'm going to file a complaint with Twitch. So uh, this is becoming a big, big problem for all these streamers that, you know, basically their respective back catalog is now becoming in violation because of the music. So um, this is getting going and is, you know, in full blown here with Twitch. Makes sense. Guess who owns Twitch? Amazon. That means big money, big pockets. Music labels are salivating. They're going after Twitch uh, full steam. Enter. TikTok. So this article is a little bit older. Uh, this is from April. The Twitch article just came out. Uh, this is from early April. Music companies threatened to sue TikTok over copyright. This article, uh, this is the National Music Publishers Association. I don't know. Maybe they have multiple of these associations. Whatever. Um, you have these aggregate industry associations representing music rights. That might actually be a British one. Universal Music has been in licensing negotiations with TikTok for the past TikTok for the past year to extract money from the social media app as its user base balloons. I actually think the record labels have a much stronger argument and basis to extract a lot of money out of TikTok more so than Twitch. You know the if you look at the value prop of the audio, you know it's kind of more like background noise on the Twitch streamers now the record label lawyers probably don't care much about this, but if you kind of just think conceptually about it, um, the music is an integral component of that product of that content that's being created on TikTok, right? Like I can't do the dance moves to the song. I'm not even going to try. Um, but you can't do the dance moves to the song without the song. You can still do the video game live stream without background music. That's not that big of a deal. Music is integral to TikTok. I'm honestly surprised it's taken this long for a lawsuit to to really, or actually they haven't filed a lawsuit, sorry, for money to be extracted from uh, TikTok, given how, how big they've been for a while, right? ByteDance doing over $7 billion in revenue. That was in 2018. Um, so, but then again, you know, if anything, the, the the more cash this business has, if it does go public, if ByteDance does go public, um, you know, there's more and more talk now with Kevin as the CEO of TikTok. They're trying to create more of a Chinese wall. Um, it's a funny word uh, between ByteDance and TikTok. 
to provide this separation. And, you know, what would be interesting to me, actually, if we even kind of go in a completely other direction for TikTok to be spun off as its own entity. I mean, that's a whole other thing. Uh, we have seen precedent of that with um, Grinder, I think it is. Uh, Grinder, one of these US agencies, Grinder is bought. It's the kind of like uh, Tinder for the LGBT community. Um, it was acquired by a Chinese company a couple of years ago. And so you have government officials uh, using Grindr and that's sensitive information. And, and so the U.S. government didn't want the Chinese government effectively to have that information. So they broke that up and forced Grindr to be sold back to, I think it might have been a Canadian company that bought that. But there is precedent here. There's sensitive information. We've seen TikTok, um, you know, have issues with like um, sailors on ships using TikTok and TikTok takes all the information off your phone, your GPS and a bunch of other identifying information. So you can, you can kind of see, Oh, look at all these people logging into TikTok and they're like moving around the ocean. Hmm. I wonder if they're on a boat. Oh, and there's a bunch of them and they watch a bunch of war or, or fighter jet, uh, TikTok videos. Hmm. I wonder if this is a Navy ship. Um, so anyway, it gets kind of interesting when you think about it that way. I, I would say, though, that as I, I think we've kind of seen the writings on the wall here, there is a divergence between U.S. and China, um, and it is happening across kind of all, every one of the three major tectonic plates, militarily, economically, and technology. Uh, and so certainly, you know, I think you're going to start to see things like if the record label association brings a lawsuit against TikTok, they would want to make sure that, you know, the company is held accountable and they're suing that company in the United States, not in say China, for example. Um, and how do all of these things play out, right? It'll be very interesting to see. This could be a chink in the armor of the platform. This doesn't mean that they're going to see their position as a monopoly, uh, but it certainly means that you could see margin compression and things like this, depending upon the strength of, of the music record uh, uh, arguments here. Again, I think TikTok having, being in a little bit of a worse position than say a Twitch, but both uh, having, they're going to have to pay something. Just a question of how much and how tight that stranglehold is uh, on these businesses. So we'll see more to come on that. Going back to the Amazon situation here, we had Past two episodes, so two episodes ago, we had Tim O'Reilly on the show, and he was talking about how you know large platform monopolies, they take advantage of producers, suppliers first. We've talked about that on the show a lot. We specifically were talking about Amazon and Google um, and, and how Amazon infringes upon that with their sellers. Google infringes upon that in Google search with the websites. And so now you just had an example come up of, of this similarly Again, the suppliers, the sellers, this guy, Alex Berenson, was trying to publish his book on Amazon, um, which was basically saying that like coronavirus or this pandemic, there's a lot of falsehoods and we've kind of been bamboozled and a bunch of other things that aren't, say, you know, PC um, run counter to certainly the WHO, if we look at YouTube, basically saying, well, we're going to take down any any content that that conflicts with, with what the WHO says, which is a joke. Uh, if you look at what just happened with the WHO, where 
yesterday they said, you know, if you're asymptomatic, it's very rare for you to be able to spread coronavirus. And then today, the next day, they said, no, actually, that was, you know, misconstrued. We didn't mean to say that. I don't know. What are these guys doing? Can they add any value without just causing a ruckus? Apparently not. So anyway, very weird for YouTube to just carte blanche say, oh, whatever the WHO says goes. We saw a highlighted video from the FCC commissioner um, saying that they're going to look into that and that could be a violation of ultimately free speech. Right? Can't just say, well, well we're just going to take down your content if WHO disagrees, which is kind of what Amazon just did with this guy. Doesn't Can't publish his book. Goes against, here's the title, Unreported Truths About COVID-19 and Lockdowns. Part one, introduction and death counts and estimates. So your book does not comply with our guidelines. As a result, we're not publishing your book. So basically, you're screwed, buddy. No one's going to read your book because Amazon doesn't like your book. Have fun. So anyway, he's like, they say, you know, I can't believe it. They censored it. Elon goes, this is insane. Tweets at Jeff Bezos, says time to break up Amazon. Monopolies are wrong. Elon understands platforms very well. What was that company that Elon co-founded many, many, many a year ago and made some of his initial money? Oh, yeah. This company called PayPal. Elon understands platforms, network effects, marketplaces extremely well. He understands they work. You know, there is, although this tweet is maybe seven words long, there is a lot in this um, in terms of Elon understanding the market dominance the the monopolistic power of platforms. Um, now, you know, time to break them up. Breaking up Amazon, that's a whole other thing. But again, what is the role? How do you protect producers? How do you protect suppliers like this guy, Alex Berenson? Or on the last episode, we talked specifically about content platforms taking advantage of content creators and the myriad of examples of them getting it wrong from Twitter to Facebook to YouTube and others. Uh, and 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 the point is that when you have that monopolistic power, you need to let more stuff in than less. You need to actually have an ecosystem which is less policed and less regulated by the platform. And basically, what we're seeing now clearly is that the government needs to try to play a role to protect these creators, to protect these producers, these authors, these sellers on Amazon, these websites on Google search, the content creators on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. And this is just, you know, a, a one of a series, a myriad of examples of, of platforms just willy nilly hitting the ban button and getting it wrong. And unless you can kind of create a fervor or, or, or get outrage on social media to get their attention, you have no recourse. So it's a big problem. So last topic is... This was really cool. Look at Instacart. Look at Instacart sales. They're the red line. See the thing that goes whoop? This is percent of weekly market share for top U.S. online grocery companies. These are digital grocery orders. Um, Where the red line goes up for Instacart, that is right around March of 2020. So they were hovering around 30%, um, 30% market share pre-corona. And then they spiked to about 50, a little north of 55% 
and are hovering somewhere around 50 to 55% now, it looks like, going into, you know, end of April. Walmart, surprisingly, going down from 50% to a little, to maybe 25%. Probably the reason there is that, again, Instacart is the platform. And so we all saw a huge spike in digital demand. Walmart could not keep up with the demand, clearly. And you had, um, you know, both from a just fulfilling orders and, and labor and manpower, as well as just inventory, right? Their stores were probably just cleared out of inventory. Whereas Instacart, they don't have any one particular grocery store. They're just serving all the grocery stores, right? So, you know, this to me, this right here, this dynamic, this convergence, this inverted ratio, this is the difference between platform and linear. When you have this huge surging of demand, how do you match demand and supply like this? Look at the platform just crush and look at the linear player uh, suffer. Now, Walmart is doing marketplace and, and overall, I think they're doing very well, but it's just very interesting to see this divergence. The other thing that really is quite unfortunate to see in this, if I go all the way down here is look at shipped. I mean, what the hell is that? That is supposed to be the number two Instacart competitor, platform competitor that uh, Target bought. You know, what the hell is going on here? Where I guess just Instacart as the dominant, as the leading marketplace player in grocery, you know, basically the only one to really benefit from this. It looks like pretty much everyone else suffered. Fresh Direct suffered, Peapod suffered, and it was just a flock to the dominant player, which is Instacart. So the irony in all of this, when you look at the economics of this business, Instacart broke even for the first time ever because they basically doubled market share or like 80, 80% increase in market share. And, and, and so basically they have to have at least 50% of the digital orders for grocery to be break even. That's the business model. Otherwise, you're losing money, at least when you have this kind of marketplace business model. But I think even a lot of the linear players are under fire to make the economics work, especially these much smaller players down here, Fresh Direct, Peapods. Some, I mean, Amazon is just subsidizing, subsidizing it with you know, all their other uh, marketplace digital demand. But again, a flight to the dominant player, a winner-take-all dynamic. This shows it better than any other chart. Only room for one or two winners. Very interesting to see to see this. I mean, what well, you know, if if Walmart had also bought shipped, that would be interesting. I mean, you look at Walmart's presence with grocery and then being able to scale that platform to Walmart's other grocery competitors, that would have been a really strong one-two punch. But basically, Target bought shipped somewhat shortly after Walmart bought Jet.com. So kind of interesting back and forth there. But I wonder if Walmart is entertaining going to grocery, going to kind of trying to emulate an Instacart model in grocery. Would they, would they actually provide marketplace dynamics for grocery? Hmm. I don't know. Um, but we're absolutely seeing a winner-take-all dynamic in digital kind of marketplace grocery uh, uh, businesses here in the U.S. So, yep, that's it for us today on Winner Take All. It's the name of the show in a nutshell. Uh, have a great start to your week. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us.